Welcome back to 444.com. It's the most accurate podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Stalter. Alongside me is John Paulson. And uh, JP, it's been a while and um, obviously uh, very uncertain times for everybody. But uh, it's nice to be back with you and chatting uh, chatting about fantasy football, something a little lighthearted. Yeah, it's good. It's uh, late May. We think we might have a season. Looks, It's looking pretty good, at least a, a season with no fans at the very least, I would think. But we'll see how things uh, go over the next couple months. Some of these places opening up, if we see spikes and things get worse, uh, then that may, may be back into question. But right now, it looks like the NFL is forging ahead with the 2020 season. Well, I know you've been doing your rankings. You've been working on those. You released those last week, and we'll highlight a lot of aspects from your rankings but first tell us about the music that brought us in today yeah it's a, a track by the uh the blue stones um they're got a, a black keys vibe so i thought uh that would be a good one for us to to utilize uh in this on this uh first time back and the name of the track is shaken off the rust uh which i think is also <laughs> apropos uh but it's a 2019 uh, single that they just released uh, i mean last year and uh uh, I put it on the Most Accurate Podcast playlist, which you can find on Spotify. Um, we'll also put a link of, linked to it in the um, in the post on the uh, website, and uh, check it out. All right, before we dive into the meat and potatoes of the podcast today, want to let you know, if you subscribe to 4 for 4 by May 31st, it's May 20th today from you know our, our recording standpoint, but if you subscribe to 4 for 4 by May 31st, you'll be automatically entered to win an autographed Amari Cooper jersey and early bird pricing is still is still in effect. And by the way, if you hear the kids in the background, I do apologize. So, uh, podcasting during 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 a pandemic, John. So, um, that's my son Killian. He's two years old. He says hello. He's making his podcast debut. Uh, <laughs> all right. Since since this is the first time that John and I have talked since the NFL draft, we're going to go over the top rookie running backs and then discuss some of John's quarterback projections along with some early best ball ADP talk. So let's start off with the rookie running backs, John. Current ADP has Clyde Edwards Alaire as the first rookie off the board at pick number 23. Too early or too late for the rookie that went to Kansas City? Uh, before I get into that, I just want, I want to tell you, just give you some advice. You need, instead of having a two-year-old, you should have a 12-year-old. You could just lock him in the room with a computer and <laughs> you, he'll probably stay out of your way. So that's your, that was your first mistake. But I can't, yeah, well, I, I cannot. I've got a three-year-old too, John. So I got, I got double, <laughs> I got double whammy right now and no preschool, no daycare. And again, we're doing the best we can. So, uh, anyways, take it over, John. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that's too, I think that's too early on Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I, um, yeah, I understand that they used a first-round pick uh, on a running back, which is definitely a statement by the Chiefs. But I just feel like uh, Damian Williams has enough capital built up there that he's not going to just be benched uh, for the rookie. Uh, you know, down the stretch of the last two seasons, he's been fantastic. Last season, in his last seven games, um, he was he was the bell cow. Basically he had 18.6 touches, uh, 110 yards, 1.57 touchdowns per game, including the postseason. Um, he's going fairly late in drafts in the fifth round. Uh, I'm in a FFPC uh, best ball draft and he's still on the board in the ninth round. Um, so I, I understand that the fantasy community wants to move on to the next shiny thing. And Clyde Edwards Hilaire probably will be the, you know, the lead back, as soon as next year, I, I just am not sure about this year. I think uh, Williams uh, holds on to that job, and they sort of share it with uh, Williams in the lead role until 
uh, Edwards Hilaire has to, you know plays so well that uh, it sends Williams to the bench. And I just don't think, given the way that Williams has played over the last two seasons, I don't think that's uh, going to happen right away. All right, next up is Jonathan Taylor at number 27. He's going the early third. What sort of role are you expecting from Taylor with Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines still in that Indianapolis Colts backfield? Yeah, this is a. Uh, it's fun talking about these two players, you know, at the same time because. On one hand, I would argue that Williams is going to hold on to the starting job in KC, but on the other hand, I don't think Marlon Mack is going to hold on to the starting job in, in Indy, and I think it's due to the, the capital that Williams has built up versus the capital that Marlon Mack really hasn't built up. I mean, he's been pretty good for them, um, but it's not like they wanted a Super Bowl uh, with Mack at, uh, you know, tearing it up in the playoffs like like Williams did. So um, Taylor, they actually, uh, the Colts actually drafted, uh, traded up to draft him, um, and when I uh, studied this lot last year, the running backs that uh, were, I call them trade-up running backs, uh, they performed at about 31% higher in terms of production compared to the other running backs taken in the same round. So um, it's just more intent that they uh, want to use him. Uh, you know, using a second-round pick on a running back is one thing, but trading up to get your running back in the second round is, is another. So I do think that Taylor ends up in the league role um, week one or very close to it. Uh, Mac will have a role, but I think he's going to be basically the backup to, to Taylor. All right, from one crowded backfield to another, John DeAndre Swift at 44, so fourth round. Does he take over for on Johnson immediately, or is this more of a committee early in the season? Yeah, I'm pretty uh, optimistic about Swift's uh, workload uh, early. I think they, well, a lot of the the draft uh, draft Twitter really likes Swift. Um, he should be a good pro. Um, and he's he's landing with a team that seems like they've seen enough of of uh, carry on Johnson, and you know, I think Johnson kind of ends up in that in that backup role like Mac, and you have Swift in there uh, as the as the as the RB one. So I, I like his uh, his prospects for a big workload in twenty twenty. All right, so Cam Akers at fifty three. That's the fifth round. Last year's draft darling Darrell Henderson. He actually played fewer snaps than Malcolm Brown, who was uh, the backup to Todd Gurley in in LA. So is Acres is it Acres' job to lose? Um, it sounds like your your son has a take on this, um, but I think that uh, Acres probably is heading into the season as the likely starter by midseason. I think this is going to be a three headed backfield for a while, but Acres. Um, was quite good in college. He was running behind a pretty bad offensive line at, at Florida State. Uh, a lot of yards created, um, a lot of evaded, evaded tackles and all that. So I, I feel like they they saw Henderson for a for a season, and uh, you know he was a trade up running back last year, um, but he never really panned out in terms of being the backup to the primary backup to to Gurley. So I think. Uh, the, the Acres pick is sort of a statement there from Sean McVay that maybe they're not that ha- happy with what they saw in Henderson, and, and they were, they're looking for that running back of the future now that Gurley's out of there. All right, let's talk about J.K. Dobbins at 53, so that's the fifth round. With Mark Ingram still in the Baltimore backfield, does Dobbins have a shot at the starting job in, in year one, or is this a situation where we might not see J.K. Dobbins until the second year in terms of him being a starter? Well, it's interesting to see Dobbins' uh, ADP right now because it seems really – I mean, he, and there's some drafts where he's going ahead of Ingram, and I just don't see it happening. I mean, Ingram was very good for them last year. Uh, yards per carry was high, lots of touchdowns. I think what the plan is here is to 
basically run Ingram into the ground this year and then have Dobbins to take his place next year and, you know, know the system and step right in. Um, you might see uh, Dobbins in, in kind of a Gus Edwards plus role or, you know, take over most of Edwards and uh, Justice, uh, was it Justice Hill? His uh, touches, uh, you know, as the, as the primary backup to Ingram, but I still think Ingram is a starter right now. All right, how about Keyshawn Vaughn at pick 68? He went in the sixth round. So does Vaughn usurp Ronald Jones early this season in Tampa, or is this a committee in 2020? Talk a little bit maybe, too, about Tom Brady and how you see the offense kind of revolving around Brady and then what it does to that running game in in Tampa. I'm actually really optimistic about Vaughn uh, in 2020. Um, If you remember the... The game where um, Ronald Jones basically was benched because he blew a blitz pickup. Um, it's it's so important now with Brady back there that um, whoever's playing running back is able to pass protect, and apparently Vaughn is uh, pretty good at this. And uh, Ronald Jones not known for his pass blocking, so I think that right there is is the leg up that Vaughn needs to get in quickly. As long as he doesn't screw it up in preseason, uh, I think he heads into Week One as the starter. Uh, he has he's a good ability to catch the ball as well, and that's going to be important playing with Brady, who's so used to throwing to his running backs. Uh, the offense should take off. And, I mean, it was already pretty good last year. Uh, a lot of drives were, were you know ended by uh, interceptions last year, and I don't think that'll happen this year, so maybe more touchdowns. Uh, it should be a really good offense overall, and I, I think Vaughn is one of the most intriguing uh, rookie running backs in terms of uh, 2020 workload, given where he's going in, as far as ADP and the competition that he has there. All right, Zach Moss at 121, 10th, 11th round. How much does he eat into Devin Singletary's workload in 2020? Yeah, the uh, the, De- the Devin Singletary in the second round, uh, ADP didn't last very long, did it? It it, it just looks to me like they they want Moss to be Frank Gore 2.0 and to eat up 100, 150 carries and, and take some of the load off of Singletary. So I don't see Singletary's... Uh, workload jumping much from what he did last year and he was pretty good especially in the second half of the season last year um, but I don't see him you know with a 20 plus touch role like maybe we were hoping when he was getting drafted in the second round all right uh, I know we've kind of hit on most of the key running backs anyone that I haven't mentioned that you also wanted to, to, to discuss yeah I think uh, the fantasy community right now for the most part is sleeping on Antonio Gibson uh, the, the Washington depth chart uh, backfield in the backfield is wide open. Uh, Darius Geis is there, but he's played like five games in the last two years. Uh, Adrian Peterson is, you know, is fairly ageless, but he's not offering a whole lot of upside uh, as far as fantasy is concerned. Um, so Gibson is six foot, 228 pounds. He's 4.39 speed. Uh, Ron Rivera is the new head coach there. He inherited the, you know, Geis and, and Peterson and, um, you know, they, they made a couple other minor moves. Uh, Peyton Barber and uh, McKissick, I think, are there. Uh, but he compared uh, Gibson's skill set to Christian McCaffrey's. And I think, you know, having Rivera coaching uh, McCaffrey for all those years uh, in, in Carolina and then coming in, making this, helping to make this pick and then comparing him to that player, uh, you know, ninth, tenth round right now, you can get Gibson. I think that's a, a good upside pick because he's got a chance to be the. Maybe not the bell cow, but you know, if you get twelve to fifteen touches 
out of him, including four or five catches, that's going to be gold in PPR formats. All right, let's talk early quarterback rankings now. How do you see the position shaping up as a whole? Is there any value in the top six quarterback? Actually, you know, we'll, we'll dive into that uh, in a second here. But let, let's talk early QB rankings. How do you see the position shaping up as a whole? Well, I mean, it's not a huge surprise. Over the last five or six or seven years, it's been getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And, you know, I'm looking at the rankings right now, and there's, you know, guys in the mid-20s that are fairly intriguing as possible players that will finish in the top 15. Um, You have some real top-heavy – it's real top-heavy with Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, uh, who I have projected for 380-plus points. Um, You know, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, I think it's a pretty clear top six. I think people disagree on which guys go where, but – sorry about that. Um, The – uh, after that, you you have, I think, what is kind of a big tier of players from Josh Allen all the way down into Ben Roethlisberger, Baker's Mayfield, where, Baker Mayfield, where you could you could see really a, a big shift in these players, you know, moving around uh, as the season wears on and uh, being able to stream um, the position pretty easily or have a committee. Um, but when you have this big of a tier starting at quarterback seven, I don't know if it's maybe starting at quarterback 10 or 11, um, you're going to end up with a lot of these players being sort of ignored until the 13th, 14th, 15th round. I mean, right now you can get Ryan Tannehill in the 14th round, and he was uh, excellent down the stretch for the uh, for the Titans last year. Daniel Jones was really good uh, when he was playing. Uh, Jared Goff is a former QB1 um, going fairly late. Phillip Rivers. Uh, so a lot, of, a lot of players all the way into the mid – early mid twenties uh, are pretty intriguing and you could in best ball, you can certainly make a committee of three of these guys fairly cheaply. Uh, you know, when you get into regular redraft and you just want to have a good stud quarterback or a, a semi stud, uh, you might have to pull the trigger a little bit earlier, maybe ninth or 10th round. But at that point you can get like an Aaron Rodgers or a Matthew Stafford. So uh, it's not a bad deal. Uh, John, let's expand a little bit more on the top six quarterbacks. So Lamar Jackson in the early third, Patrick Mahomes in the mid-third, Kyler Murray in the late sixth, Dak Prescott early in the seventh, Deshaun Watson or or Russell Wilson in the mid-seventh. I know you kind of expounded on the position as a whole, but what about the value for those top six quarterbacks specifically? Yeah, I have have Murray at five, and he's going third. Um, So I think think maybe the, the... the disagreements come in three through six as to how you have those guys ordered. And I, I like, I like Prescott a lot, uh, given his, uh, weapons there in, in Dallas, uh, Mari Cooper, um, Michael Gallup, and they added CD lamb, Blake Jarwin offers more punch, I think, than even Jason Witten last year at tight end. Um, you know, obviously you got a great running back there. So Prescott, I think, uh, is the top of that bunch, especially with Watson losing, uh, Deandre Hopkins via trade. Um, so, you know, getting him, being able to get him perhaps in the seventh round will be tempting, uh, for me because, uh, you know, I'll be sitting there, maybe even Prescott or Watson, uh, you know, even Wilson sitting there in the seventh round and you're maybe looking at those players, other players that are available at other positions. And that's, what's going to come down to if there's not a receiver or running back that I want there, uh, or even a tight end there. I may pull the trigger on one of those quarterbacks to give myself a, a built-in advantage on a weekly basis, but it is so easy to build a committee and, and to stream the position that it makes it uh, you know, a little dicey in order to pull, pull the trigger on it with a seventh-round pick. But um, you know, in years past, these guys going three through six were typically going fourth, fifth round. Uh, now they're going you know, a round or two later. 
there, there will be some cases. I think that I'll, I will pull the trigger on uh, like a Prescott or, or a Watson or a Wilson in the seventh round. All right. Later round guys that you're targeting. I know you mentioned a couple when you're given the, the, the perspective on the quarterback position as a whole, but is there, you know, we always talk about sleepers, right? Is there a quarterback that you're looking at that you see, I like the situation and I can find him in the later rounds, whether it be, uh, you know, the 14th, 15th round, something something where it's like, all right, I'm loading up at another position and I can find a guy that I think is going to give me tremendous value late. Yeah, I'll typically get build my whole draft plan around the quarterback position and tight end position and have a tier of guys in each position that I like at, at a certain point in the draft and then figure out who I want in the other rounds that are left over. So um, in this case, there are quite a few guys going 10th, 11th, 12th, and then in the 14th that are appealing to me and I think just represent good value. Um, like Tom Brady, uh, Aaron Rodgers, they're both going in the 10th round. I mean, when was the last time you get Aaron Rodgers in the 10th round? I know he's, you know, didn't have the greatest year last year, but this guy is typically finishing in the top three doesn't mean he's going to finish in the top three this year, but he finished eighth or ninth last year. And I know he had some big games and had some bad games, but that was first year with a new quarterback, a new, uh, new coach. And they were significantly better than people thought. So they, you know, didn't have to throw the ball as much as um, maybe people were expecting. And they're probably going to experience some regression, this year in that. So, uh, you know, in the 10th round, I'm getting interested in Rodgers for sure. Uh, and I think Brady will be great in Tampa. And then uh, in the following round, uh, Matthew Stafford was fantastic. Top five in the first half of the season last year. He was pushing the ball down the field uh, to Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones and others. Uh, I think he's a nice pick in the 11th. Uh, Daniel Jones is a nice pick in the 11th because he offers that dual threat ability as a runner. Uh, getting in the 12th round, I, I like Ryan Tannehill. He was so efficient last year, and he's probably going to you know, take a step back on his efficiency. But uh, he was in the top half of the QB1 rankings for most of last year uh, in terms of uh, points produced. Um, so and he's also a guy who can run the ball. Uh, so I like him in the 12th, along with Jared Goff, who I think, you know, I think Sean McVay is smart enough to get him into situations where he can produce. Um, and they've got enough receiving talent there to, to withstand the loss of Brandon Cooks. And then I, I, Philip Rivers is going in the 14th round, and, and uh, he had, didn't have a great season last year, but I think you know being reunited with Frank Reich, uh, he's got a pretty good receiving core there. They added Michael Pittman in the draft. Um, they've got a good offensive line that can protect them. They will have a strong running game with Jonathan Taylor. Um, they were fairly pass-heavy when Reich was there in San Diego, um, coaching him, but you know they, they may go more run heavy now that Rivers is older. But I still think he's going to offer so much more in terms of the passing game pie than uh, Jacoby Brissett did last year, and this is going to help the whole team. I think Rivers will end up outproducing uh, where he's being drafted right now. Let's go the other way here. What is there anyone that you're fading at their current ADP? There's somebody that you don't understand that they're a little overvalued. Um, somebody because maybe the situation this off season, uh, with, with, you know, we don't, we, we don't know what the training camps are going to look like, but somebody that you're just like, I'm staying away from because their, their value is, uh, there is no value. I should say. Yeah. I'm, uh, looking at the ranks and I'm, I'm six spots low right now on Baker Mayfield. And 
Um, this has a lot to do with Kevin Stefanski coming in, and I think he's going to be very run-heavy. He was very run-heavy with the Vikings last year. It worked out okay for Kirk Cousins. Uh, Cousins was a QB 16 last year, but you know, playing, I think he played the full season. Um, and so I think basically drafting Baker Mayfield at maybe not a ceiling, but pretty close to a ceiling if you're trying to take him at QB 15 right now. Um, I just feel like this offense is going to go run-heavy. Um, a lot of Nick Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt. Uh, I'm down on Beckham and Landry, you know, relatively speaking, because of the lack of passing that is likely to occur. Um, and then the other issue here is it's a new head coach. Uh, it's a weird off season with uh, everything going on with the coronavirus and uh, COVID-19. So you just wonder how efficiently they'll be able to install the offense and, and get going at the start of the season. So I'm just not that optimistic about the Browns uh, passing attack this year. John, anyone going in the 15th or later in terms of quarterbacks, and again, we're talking about QB rankings as John released his quarterback rankings last week, his rankings in general last week at 444.com. Anyone going in the 15th or later that looks appealing to you? Yeah, a couple names pop out to me. I think Gardner Minshew is is certainly interesting. He's going in the 16th round. Um, He had kind of a weird year last year. I mean, obviously it was a lot of hype surrounding his rookie season, and then he had that meltdown, and even when there was hype going on with the season, they were still talking about bringing Nick Foles back as a starter. And then he had that meltdown in London, got benched, and then came back and finished the season once Foles, uh, I don't know, did Foles get hurt again late last year, or did he just not play very well? He ended up, uh, Minshew ended up back as a starter. Um, and he had 16.8 points per game in 13 games where he played at least 80% of the snaps. And those are, you know, QB 15, 14 numbers last year, if you apply that point per game to the, you know, a 16-game season. So um, I think Minshew offers really good value as maybe the third quarterback in a best ball or maybe a backup quarterback in a regular redraft. I also like uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, if if it looks like Tua is going to be a redshirt, uh, that's obviously the big question. That's why... Fitzpatrick is being drafted so late. Act two is actually being drafted ahead of him. Um, but if you look at what Fitzpatrick did as a starter last year, he averaged 19.4 points per game in the 12 games where he played at least 90% of the snaps, 273 yards passing, 1.58 touchdowns. And he also offers uh, dual threat ability with 19 rushing yards per game. And what's one thing you're trying to look for as a fantasy owner, as a, as a quarterback that can run the ball. Um, so, you know, there's the threat of him losing his job, and he probably will not be starting late in the year based on, you know, if the, if the Dolphins are out of the playoff hunt, which is seems likely. Um, but, you know, for the first 10 or 12 games, maybe he's uh, he's offering you low on QB1 numbers, and that's really good value based on where he's going. All right, that was a quick one for you today. We'll be back with more of John's rankings and a look at uh, some off-season headlines, certainly as we draw closer and closer to everyone's drafts. Remember, subscribe to 4 for 4 by May 31st, and you'll be automatically entered to win an autographed Amari Cooper jersey. Again, subscribe to 4 for 4 by May 31st, and you'll automatically be entered to win an autographed Amari Cooper jersey. For John Paulson, I'm Anthony Stalter. We'll see you next time on 4for4.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. Everybody stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next time.